Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the co-founder and CEO of Gainful, Eric Jisun Wu. Eric attended Georgetown University, graduating with a concentration in business, growth and development, computer science, and a focus in sustainable food and alternative protein. He is now the full-time CEO of Gainful, which is focused on personalizing one's experience with nutrition. Gainful makes personalized protein powder delivered directly to your doorstep, and they are growing like crazy. So welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thank you for being here, my new friend. Thank you, Drew. I appreciate it. I'm very pumped to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so we we can tell in the intro that you have a background in this, so it's not like you went from what you studied <laughs> into bowling or something, but yeah. in your own words, man, how did this company get started? Yeah, of course. The company actually got started way back in high school. It's not when we founded it, but that's really when the story begins, I'd say. Cool. I grew up playing sports, grew up in Southern California, and that's actually where I met my co-founder, Jahan. We were co-captains of our high school soccer team. So I've known this guy since freshman year of high school, which is longer than a lot of founders, but particularly for us, we're pretty young. So I've known Jahan for the better half of my life, which is really cool to be building a company with one of my really good friends. Anyways, we'd always played sports. Being active, being outdoors was a huge part of our lives. And being on a soccer team, we would have buddies, teammates who would go to the gym, go to practice. And then afterward, they would walk over to 7-Eleven, grab their muscle milk or whatever protein shake our bar was on sale that day and chug it. And for me and Jahan, right, that's kind of a weird thing to do when you're in high school, because clearly these high school athletes, they're not doing it because they know the first thing about performance nutrition. They're doing it because they see their favorite athlete, whether it's Cristiano Ronaldo or LeBron James, sponsored by some sports nutrition company. And they're like, yeah, of course, if I drink this nasty protein shake, it'll make me just as fit and just as impressive and just as talented as my favorite athlete. And so for me and Jahan, protein supplements, it was never something that we even considered. It was kind of this laughable category of product. And even when we went to college, that feeling really continued with us. We both continued playing soccer in college. I went to Georgetown, Jahan went to Berkeley. We would have teammates dabbling in creatine and pre-workout and hydration supplements and going to the gym more. And yet still for us, we didn't touch any of this stuff. It was all for one, very masculine. It was super macho. The branding all felt like it was geared toward kids who wanted to be the next Arnold Schwarzenegger. And on top of that, despite the fact that people had gotten more serious about their fitness, they were going to the gym more often. They were exercising more often. They took their recovery more seriously. People still had no idea what they were putting in their bodies. And that was pretty ludicrous to me. And I knew the same was for Jahan because he wasn't trying any of this stuff either. By the time I'd reached my senior year, though, I'd stopped playing sports competitively and I decided, okay, now's the time I'm really going to buckle down. I'm going to get my own nutrition, my own fitness on track, college lifestyles catching up with me. It's time to really take it a bit more seriously. So I walked down to the GNC, my local GNC um, in Georgetown, which was on Wisconsin Ave. I still remember. And when you walk in the GNC, I'm sure a lot of people can commiserate with this feeling. It's overwhelming. Yeah, it's floor to ceiling, industrial sized tubs of yep. stuff that's called 
Nitro Tech, Muscle Farm. I saw a pre-workout brand the other day. It's called Total War, right? <laughs> and it's just, it's hilarious because they have these holographic labels, yeah. like sweaty, shirtless bodybuilder C4 explosives. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like they all sound like they belong underneath your kitchen sink, not in your body, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, it was just such a jarring moment because I said, I cannot believe that it's, at this time it was 2017, cannot believe it's 2017 people are actually putting this stuff in their body. People are actually looking at these labels and saying, yeah, sure, all these ingredients I can't pronounce wrapped in this holographic label with a sweaty shirtless bodybuilder. Yeah, that's that's what I want. Give me more mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And so that night, I went back to my college dorm on Prospect Street and I was looking up on Amazon raw ingredients for protein powder, just doing internet research. I have no background in sports nutrition, no background in food science, I was just a guy with a really, really painful problem. And I was like, I need to figure this out for myself. I need to find out what's right for me. So I started mixing up raw protein powder ingredients in Tupperware containers in my basement, like some kind of breaking bad, mad scientist. I was about to say, it sounds like a meth, meth lab down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All my roommates thought I was totally gone off the deep end. But I ended up finding something, something that actually worked for me. I knew why the ingredients were in there. I knew that I had chosen them for my own lifestyle, my own dietary restrictions. And on top of that, I just felt good. Like I knew what was in the blend. I knew it was right for me. But on top of that, it felt like it was made for me. It felt like it was making me healthier. And I knew that eventually it would actually help me perform better too. So I told Jahan about this. And the reason I told Jahan is because he's the smartest guy I've ever met, probably ever will meet. He was at the time at Berkeley, like I mentioned, studying computer science and chemical engineering, full ride scholarship. And so I told Jahan about this little weird protein powder side project I had going on. And immediately he was way more excited about it than I ever thought he would be. He said, listen, personalized nutrition is the future. This should not be your weird little basement project. This could be a fully fledged business. You should consider making personalized supplementation for everyone, not just for yourself. And that set off a lot of light bulbs for me. One thing led to another. Me and Jahan teamed up as co-founders. He's our CTO. And we went off to Y Combinator, which is the premier startup accelerator in Silicon Valley. So we're packing our bags, getting in the U-Haul, moving out to Silicon Valley. And shortly after we finished up at YC, that was in 2018. And we raised our seed round. And then most recently, we raised our Series A, which we announced in January of 2021, so January of this year. But it's in between that and after that, it's been just a period of, of incredible growth. Super fun building a product with a really talented team of people that we've also had the opportunity to build this year and launching new products like personalized hydration and personalized pre-workout. Those are both things that came out this year. Mm. And I think is really cementing our foothold as the leaders in personalized sports nutrition. Man. Well, first off, congratulations. That's really exciting. <laughs> um, I want to ask, cause I've heard great things about like, you know, the Y Combinator. What was that like? What was actually the process you had to go through to get in? And then what was your experience while you were there? Yeah, yeah. Y Combinator was a super, super interesting experience for us. Really valuable, especially, I think, for the fact that we were first-time entrepreneurs, right? Me and Jahan, I was 21, Jahan was 20, and we're going through this program that is like the Hollywood of Silicon Valley. We're rubbing shoulders with all these people that most tech blogs would write about all the time, right? These people who have founded companies like Airbnb, Stripe, Dropbox, Reddit, and we're getting access to a number of investors that is truly unparalleled. I think Y Combinator is the best fundraising platform in the world. At Demo Day, 
investors from across the world come out of the woodwork to invest wow. in Y Combinator companies. It's, it's an incredible megaphone for yeah. you telling your story in a way that compels investors to, uh, to invest in your startup. But anyways, YC process of applying super selective. Um, we applied twice. We actually applied right in the month before I graduated from Georgetown. And then again, a couple months later, and we got in on the second try. So I guess that's one small piece of advice for any of the founders who are listening to your podcast to always apply and apply again. Mm-hmm. There's no harm in applying. There's no application fee. But what you do get is you get to crystallize your thoughts about what makes your business special and what your secret sauce is and how you'll grow to be a billion dollar company. And you get to practice that every couple of months. If you apply yeah. every couple of months, you get to see what the delta is between your progress last time and your progress this time. And that delta is actually what got us into Y Combinator. It mm. wasn't the fact that we were the most impressive founders on the planet. Obviously not. We had just graduated from college, had no idea what we were doing. But in the four or five months between our application cycles, we had grown the business to, I think it was $25,000 a month in revenue. So and you were already selling. Made, yeah, we were already selling. Oh, wow. That had made the YC partners say, whoa, these kids, you know, they might not be special. They're kids, but they are hustling. Like they are trying to make something happen and they're onto something that's small, but could be really meaningful. And that's, that's how we got into YC. And again, as first time founders, super valuable, despite the fact that YC traditionally has been a very technology focused yeah. startup accelerator. They're doing yeah. way more on the, on the CPG direct to consumer, um, Side That's of what things. I was and, curious. And that was, that was I've really always helpful. connected Y Combinator with just tech companies, but right. Uh, okay, so I want to go back just a little bit. I'm so glad you put that in that that part in there about having twenty five thousand dollars a month already before you went to Y Combinator because I want to know yep. how the hell you did that while <laughs> in college with having mixed protein powders in your basement. But I want to just before so put a pin in that. I want to yep. follow up on what you're talking about that the process of change that happened between applying the first time and applying the second time. Do you mm-hmm. think looking back, I know it would just be guessing, but it was just strictly that you had the proof of concept with the numbers, or do you think you also got better at articulating your business in a way that grabbed their attention, right? Is Was that part of it? Yeah, absolutely both. Absolutely both. I think a big part about building a sustain, or let's put it this way, building a company that is really compelling, not only for investors, but also for customers is being able to articulate what it is exactly that you do. It's so hard at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And for us, it's relatively simple. Uh, We're not not selling the most complicated software on the planet, for example. We're selling personalized sports nutrition. But in order to say that succinctly and then explain to people how it's going to change their lives, that takes some iteration. And that was definitely what we were able to nail down a little bit more during the course of applying to YC the first time and applying to YC the second time. When you guys were first starting to do this, I know that personalized nutrition is not a new category. It's newer, but it's not a new category. Mm-hmm. But I haven't heard that in supplements. Was was it somewhat of a new, were you one of the first in the sense in the supplements or were there, was there already competition out there kind of doing that? <laughs> There's a funny story about that actually. And it's because I almost gave up on the concept for Gainful before anything even happened because I found out that there was another competitor who was purporting to do personalized nutrition blends, like similar to a protein powder, but not exactly the same as a protein powder. And I told one of my mentors that I'd found this other company that doing something similar to personalized protein powder. And this is my big idea. I wanted to do it. And now it already exists in the world. Should I give up? And this mentor who I can, t- I can talk more about her later. She's, she's incredible. Um, and she's played a big part of, 
of, uh, of, of my success to date. But she said, no, why would you stop? Why would you give up? As if it was the silliest thing in the world. She, wow. she said to me basically that it's not about the idea. It's all about the execution. Yes. Right? It just takes the right founder to make any idea a big idea. There are rarely bad ideas. It's just about going out and actually putting in the blood, sweat, and tears to make that idea a reality, finding your people, starting a movement, creating a company that actually solves a problem for people. That's the part that most people don't do. Everyone's got mm. ideas, but that's the part that most people don't do. Great advice. How did you meet her? So this is uh, this is Ann Crady Weiss, and she is a venture partner at True Ventures out in San Francisco. And I did a fellowship while I was an undergrad in college with True Ventures. So I did a fellowship. Um, this was the years between my junior and my senior year. And so one day a week, I worked at the venture firm and heard from some of the most important and I guess impressive founders that I'd ever met. And then the rest of the week, I worked at Anne's company because Anne, beside being a partner at True Ventures, was also a really impressive founder. She founded mm. the company Hatch, which is a consumer hardware company. And so I cut my teeth and had my real sort of first startup experience at Hatch. And through that process, I was able to see what it meant to be a leader at a Series A stage company. And that's what Hatch was at the time. They just raised a Series A that honestly was very similar size to what Gainful has most recently raised. But of course, this was four or five years ago. So it's it's pretty interesting to see it come full circle and now and get to get to play the part of Anne in the story of Gainful Series A. Yeah. Yeah. Well let's pull let's pull that apart a little bit. What what were some of the qualities that you think are unique to that stage, that mm-hmm. Series A stage of a business that a leader needs to embody? Delegating? I think it's one of the biggest things. There's a really interesting and oftentimes I would imagine imperceptible shift when you're a founder where you have to go from primarily doing independent contributor work, primarily producing work and being an operator to being a manager. Mm. And now the best founders will do both of those things forever and ever. And I definitely do not intend to ever stop doing quote unquote real work because I love it. It's what I enjoy. I love producing something at the end of the day. I love seeing the fruits of my labor. But at a certain point, it becomes just as important, if not more important. I think at this stage, moving into Series B stage, obviously it's all case dependent because Series A and Series B can be very different things for very different companies these days. But it moves into the stage where being a manager and helping people do their best work, empowering people to do their best work and showing them what the priorities ought to be, coaching them, managing them, influencing in places that you need to influence becomes just as important as doing the work yourself because, and this is the key, hiring really, really incredible people around you is really one of the only ways that you can scale a business. You can scale yourself as much as you want, but at the end of the day, you're only one person, you're only one founder. And and I think the cult of founders being these superhuman superheroes is a fallacy in a way yep. because really what the best founders are good at is of course, building in the early days and in the later stage days, but also being really incredible at finding the perfect people who can do the parts of the founder's job that the founder can no longer do the best job at him or herself. I've found incredible people who've taken things off my plate and done way better jobs than I could ever imagine doing. I'm learning from them every single day, but as a result, Gainful becomes just that much more successful. Yeah. Yeah. We've heard that a number of times on this podcast, which is it took me to get here and then it took me getting out of the way for us to get there that exactly eventually yeah. we become a choke point so even if you're crushing it even if you really enjoy the work you are now a choke point for the business because you actually can't scale yourself infinitely you know 
And yeah. so it's like, all right, well, you're actually in the way of the business now. <laughs> and so, but that's hard. I had one, one founder on here say the more, what do you say? The more, the more you, the more you're working in your business, the, the least or the less valuable it is. Mm. And I was like, why is that? Is that just philosophical? He's like, no, literally from a number standpoint, like if you are doing a lot in the business, we can't sell you. The business yeah. doesn't have a process that you could sell and it keep running without you. And so he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, your ego is actually making the value of the company lower because you still want to be the most important cog in the machine, you know? Yeah. And I was yeah. like, wow, and again, just a mindset shift on that, you know? And Aquahire is always less valuable than selling a billion-dollar brand, for example. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to, like I said, I want to go back to how in the world did you go from mixing some powder in the basement to actually getting your customers? Yeah. 25,000 a month is, is nothing to scoff at. Like that is a lot of money coming into a, an unknown business out of college. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, first off me and John, we pooled our life savings. We each were able to cobble together $5,000 and that was our, our friends and family round as it were. Wow. So that was back in 2017 when we first finished college. We were able to show enough traction through those early days of just selling to our friends, selling to family, starting to run some small semblance of performance marketing to get into another small startup accelerator actually in the Midwest. Mm. So before I went from DC to Silicon Valley, I did a stopover in Cincinnati, Ohio for a short stint at The Brandery, which is an accelerator that has since been absorbed by another regional accelerator. But that was specifically focused on consumer packaged goods, consumer brands. And they had started to do more direct consumer and we were one of their um, their eight companies in that cohort. And so they gave us $50,000 in seed money and we were able to quickly start selling our own product. And at the time we were still even producing the product ourselves. Like we were working night shifts in the production wow. facility and day shifts marketing and developing the product. And that was where we were able to get up to that $25,000 a month in sales mark. And I think another really powerful part of that is that we're a subscription company. Because for any supplement to work, you really have to stick with it. It's about yeah. having a regimen, having consistency. And being a subscription company meant that relatively quickly, the majority of our revenue was coming from recurring orders and from customers who were happy with what they were already getting from us. And that, of course, means that you don't have to go out and pay money to market to them to acquire them all over again. You just need to pay money to make sure that they're super happy. And yeah. you have really great customer experience, really great um website and really great packaging and shipping um, and apart from that you know as long as your product actually is personalized and makes people's lives better than then you've got them for life heck yeah well you've got a potential customer in me which is why i want to talk about the product nice. itself sub so perfect uh same very similar story to you former college soccer or soccer player and then after college just went to work and got lazy got fat instead of in college it was after college and then at some point I realized I missed being in shape. I missed just even feeling good in my body and feeling energized. I have three young kids and it's like, dang, I'm already the lazy dad who doesn't want to get up and play. Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> so it's been the last six years working out more consistently. And so supplements have been back in my life as a thing. It's never been consistent because it's very similar to you. But I don't really know what this is. I don't even know if I'm wasting yeah. my money. Like what if yeah. this is just placebo that I'm taking? <laughs> yeah. You know, other than the caffeine, if I look at the pre-workout, it's got caffeine. I'm like, am, am I just buying expensive caffeine, you know, uh, and then protein, everybody's got different opinions. No, it should be pea protein. It should be vegan protein. It should yep. be whatever. So I want to hear from you Yeah. when you say made for me or you say personalized, 
what does that consist of? What is the criteria for that? Like, how do you personalize that to somebody? That's a great question. The way it works tactically for our customers is you go to our website, gameful.com, you fill out a simple five minute quiz. We only ask you questions about things that we know the average everyday athlete will be able to understand and respond to things like height, weight, how often you're exercising, what type of exercise you do, even down to like the sweat level and your dietary restrictions. We take all of those into account. We have a secret sauce, which is our proprietary algorithm, and we boil it down into a set of product recommendations for you. Our three core flagship products are personalized protein powder, personalized hydration, and personalized pre-workout. And we also have a line of performance boosts, which are single ingredient, functional ingredients like creatine, collagen, and fiber. Mm. Now, the personalized core products, when we say personalized, we really mean personalized. These have different formulations. There's different dosages of ingredients inside of your protein, inside of your hydration, inside of your pre-workout that maps to things that you told us about yourself in the quiz. So for example, if you have a dietary restriction or you're allergic to whey protein, we'll create something that's plant-based for you. If you are exercising more frequently and you're doing weight training versus endurance cardio, we'll create a hydration blend that makes more sense for you. Mm. If you are exercising four times a week and you're not prioritizing recovery, then we can create a pre-workout that has more ingredients that are better suited to your recovery versus another person's. And so for us, personalization doesn't just mean personalized ingredients. It also means personalized guidance. We want to educate you on these things, but we also totally understand if you're a busy dad of three and you don't have time to go do your internet research, you just want to make sure you have a brand that you can trust, yeah. which is why we also give every single one of our customers free, unlimited, one-on-one, 24-7 access to their very own registered dietitian. So these are real human beings, nutritionists who work on staff at Gainful, and they help answer any questions you have about your current diet, your nutrition, your fitness, your goals. Because when you walk into a GNC, nobody tells you what you need to know. Nobody tells wow. you how to use these products. And we wanted to make sure that we eliminated that friction, frictionful experience completely. So we do that. Our registered dietitian program is really important, but we also want to make sure that we are on the leading edge, the bleeding edge of science. So we also have a science advisory board, which is comprised of experts who have worked with NBA champions. Olympic gold medalists. We have people who used to be the VP of performance at the 76ers. We have the current VP of health and performance at the Sacramento Kings. We have people who work for the Detroit um, Lions. We have people who work with Australian cycling, Australian national cycling team. These are our science advisors who, who help actually formulate our products, who help design our algorithm. And they also, of course, are the ones who are the inspiration behind all the ingredients that we use. And, uh, and we want to make sure that we can bring this level of elite personalization that they give to the world's best athletes to the everyday consumer, the everyday athlete that we serve. Damn. That is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm geeking that was a mouthful. out, man. I'm geeking out. This is awesome. I can't believe that you have registered dietitians on staff that customers are able to call for free. Mm-hmm. How, when did that idea come about and how difficult was it to work that into a model where you're not hemorrhaging money? <laughs> You know, that you have this free service for these registered dietitians. That was day zero. That was part of our DNA. The first person that we ever hired was Matt Mazzino on contract. He's our registered dietitian and he's still full-time on staff today. That Mm -hmm. was before we had even begun paying ourselves a salary. We hired Matt Mazzino because we knew from our own personal experience, you need someone to be able to trust, right? Me and Jahan, 
we're not food scientists. We're not performance nutrition experts. We needed somebody who could help us guide customers to the right products, to the right ingredients, in the right dosages, and then help them get to their goals. None of this matters if our customers don't get to their goals, whether it's weight loss, weight gain, a change in lifestyle, they want to lift more, they want to be stronger, they want to lean out. These are all different people with different goals. And in order to serve them properly, we had to give them the perfect guidance too. Wow. So does it even get, would something maybe get tweaked if, if you're talking to the dietitian and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm wanting to build mass, but I'm also looking to cut some weight. They, would they change the formula or, or recommend something else? Does that make sense? 1000%. And that's what happens every single day. That's the whole aim here. And we're actually going to be rolling out an even more involved program that dynamically tweaks your blends, your ingredients, your formulations, even your cart and your subscription frequency based on the things that you're telling us in real time about how they're working for you. Have you been able to do any, uh, gather any research or data on, on, on the results that this gets for people versus generic? Like yeah. or maybe even, or versus doing nothing. Cause some people will be going from nothing to something, <laughs> right? Yeah. For yeah. others, it'll be going from generic at GNC to customize for them. Uh, totally. ha have you been able to do any of that yet? The the majority of our customers are people who have had a uh, different protein powder or a different supplement before. Okay. And there's probably like 20% of people who are totally new to this world of supplementation. And so it's a lot of people who are going from zero to one, but also a lot of people who are going from one to 10. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, we, without giving too much away, are working on a way to quantify exactly the impact of gainful versus generic. Cool. This is research and work that's going to be done in close conjunction with our science advisory board, many of whom have done exactly this type of clinical research before. Cool. And it's something that we're super excited to reveal to the world eventually. Heck yeah. Well, and that's why I asked if you've done it yet, because I know it's it's such a beast of a project that totally. it's probably years in the in the making. So, yeah. uh, man, super exciting. Um, and one, actually, one other thing I'll, I'll mention on the clinical scientific efficacy side of things, our philosophy is definitely to give our customers everything that they need and nothing that they don't. So if you look at any of our nutrition labels, you'll notice that they are very short compared to your typical supplement. And that's because we don't actually need that many ingredients mm. to get you where you need to go. The effective dosage for all of our ingredients, say in pre-workout is relatively high. You need to have a lot of a certain ingredient in order to have it comply with the scientific studies that we're referencing that actually are, have been, have been proven to sh have been proven to have an effect on your performance. And yeah. for that reason, we'd rather include enough of the ingredients that matter instead of a little bit of the kitchen sink and hope that it has some effect. Yeah. And that philosophy, I think, has also made it easier in some ways to do product development because there is research out there. We start with the scientific literature for every single product that we do, and we make sure we only include, include ingredients in quantities that matter and none of the ingredients that don't. Mm. Pfft, that's what I'm saying. This is all the stuff that like I would love. And I'm, I'm going to be a customer of yours, you know. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that. Uh, because there, the, even sometimes I'm like, yeah, that might be the right ingredient, but how do I know you haven't given me too little or mm -hmm. too much you know mm -hmm. it's like i want to know because you'll hear like yeah t you're, t you're taking vitamin c but you're t not taking nearly enough for it to matter in your body you're like well crap then what <laughs> that freaking gummy that's a common one yeah someone yeah. should have just told me i needed to 
you know, to triple how much I was taking. And yeah. it's like, man, there's just, there's so many nuances like that, that a company like you, that's actually trying to build all their products off of, uh, man is, is, is welcome for a customer like me. Yeah. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be the customer or the consumer's job to do hours of internet research just to figure out what sort of multivitamin or supplement yes. or protein powder they should take. I'm having to listen to like the Huberman lab podcast and take notes. I'm like, cause every now and then he'll, <laughs> he'll say stuff like, well, you're going to need that at a thousand milligrams. I'm like, Oh God. Okay. <laughs> because no one else tells you, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, at least he's a Stanford research, you know, guy that can tell me what, what, you know, a few of these things. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's go to the, to the business side of it. In the last few years, what has it taken to scale from exciting start to where you are today? What does that look like? The first thing, like I mentioned, is having really, really incredible people. But in the early days, it was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, honestly. All that matters is that you, as a founder, care enough to continue pushing the company forward every single day. Mm. In the early days, I was, me and John both were very masochistic about doing all the work ourselves, right? And so, like I mentioned, we were during the day marketing the product, talking to investors, doing all the business side. Jahan was doing all the engineering for the website. And then at night, we'd go to the lab and just crank out protein powder formulations because we were obsessed with figuring out what was right for people. For all of our unique customers that were coming through the quiz, what protein powder formulation, one, would they be most likely to buy? Two, would they be most likely to enjoy the taste of? And three, would they be most likely to reach their goals when they're using, right? Mm. So that sort of triumvirate of factors meant that over the course of better part of two years, honestly, we collected so much interesting data on what was working, what tasted good, uh, and what actually people wanted to see in their ingredient lists that we were able to find a manufacturer that could then scale our product operations or scale our manufacturing operations to the point where we didn't have to personally mix up protein powder blends anymore. Yeah. So finding a really good partner in the manufacturing space is super important. Making sure that your product is something that people love before you pull the trigger on a manufacturer is also super important. And always constantly talking to your customers and caring deeply about your customers is something that should never, ever, ever leave your sites because that's the one thing that's going to make your company better than the next one. That's going to make your product more sticky than the next one. And that's yeah. listening to your customers and building something truly for them. What did you guys do in particular to get feedback from the customers? There's no better way than picking up the phone and talking to your customers. Mm. We still do this. Even, even now, when we have many thousands of customers, we are literally on the phone with them, in Zoom calls with them, doing focus groups with them, asking them to do taste tests in person, looking at their customer service responses, reading every single message. That is, th there's really no hack to talking to your customers. There's no yeah. quick way to do it. You really just have to get to know them on a personal level. And in the early days, even I, I could probably recognize every single one of our customers first and last names. Like that's how obsessive you have to be in order to understand where people are coming from in order to make the best products for them in order for your products to sell the best. Yeah. Full stop. Man, I think some people, myself included at times have been, has, has thought, I don't want to inconvenience people, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't want to inconvenience them, but have you found that most people are happy to share their feedback? People love, people love to share. And that's another core insight that makes Gateful tick is that people are happy to tell you so many things about themselves, their lifestyles, their goals, their habits. If you can provide them 
a superior experience. Mm. Our superior experience is personalization. And that's, again, not just in the product formulations, but the entire customer experience. From the moment that you see an ad, land on our website, go through our checkout, talk to our dietitian, receive the products. We have your first name printed on the product itself to make you understand that, yes, this is made for you. This entire experience we're catering to is because we want to put you on a pedestal and we want to understand your needs. And if we can do that, then people are happy to take a five-minute quiz. People are happy to get on a phone call. People are happy to take a survey. Yeah, That's something that we've learned and it's been super valuable to us. What's been the... I guess I would say the biggest challenge that you've that you've had to overcome uh, along the th thus far. I know the journey continues, and there's gonna be new challenges at new stages. But what was the, what was some of the biggest hurdles or challenges you had to overcome? I'd say one of the biggest challenges to date has been being as data driven and iterative as we are as a company, but doing it for a physical product. Hmm. We really took this Y Combinator startup techie software driven approach to product development to a CPG company, which is super hard to do because when you're a software engineer, you can press a button, deploy some code, and all of a sudden your product is in front of millions of people. And you can make whatever changes you want in real time and they're delivered to millions of people in real time. Uh. For a physical product company, you have to find a manufacturer. You have to get a formulation. There are machines and human beings and cardboard boxes involved in all of this. And they have to go across the country and you can't just press a button and expect that a million people will have the most updated, greatest, latest chocolate flavor that yeah. you've developed. So being able to move super quickly, be very nimble with our supply chain, be very nimble with our product development, be able to go to market with new products super quickly is is of the utmost importance to us because it allows us to get more quickly to exactly what our customers need. And the fact that we're personalized just makes it that much more complicated. Yeah. We have to be that much more careful about the differences and the nuances between all of our customers in order to give them exactly what's right for them. Sounds like a sounds like a logistics behemoth. It is. It is. But so much logistics if, involved. If you want to do it right, sometimes you just have to take the difficult route. Yeah. It sounds like something that you're still figuring out, right? But I'm sure mm -hmm. you've made progress in it. Today, where you're at, there's going to be X amount of speed and X amount of ability that you've unlocked. What has been mm -hmm. some of the keys to getting that to work for you, to allow you to still be personalizing things, to be making updates and changes without breaking the whole thing? Yeah, it's having a really fantastic operations team. Mm. It's having people who truly, truly understand the product inside and out. Um, it's being really thoughtful about the types of products that we launch into as well. For us, our brand is personalization. We are not a platform that's based on collagen. We are not a platform that's based on keto. We are not a platform that's based on hydration. We are a personalization platform. And what that means for us is that we, throughout all of our products, throughout all of sports nutrition, need to maintain a uniting thread of personalization, which is why we can start in personalized protein powder and jump into personalized hydration and then do personalized pre-workout and do it gracefully without people yeah. raising their eyebrows and saying like, why is Gainful doing this? So as long as we keep personalization at our core, I feel like the world is ours for the taking. There's a lot of products in sports nutrition, but even beyond that in nutrition, generally there's a lot of opportunity. And especially as we're moving into this world where people have more and more access to their data through their Fitbits, their whoops, their Apple watches, their Pelotons, their connected devices, their fitness pals, People are going to be hungry to take that data and put it to good use 
by actually personalizing their nutrition and then seeing the rewards of that personalization. Do you see this? Do you see this company ultimately being a both and in terms of a a service and a product tailored to the professional athlete as well as the weekday warrior, like the average person we are, or do you feel like this kind of business you have to choose one? I, I definitely think the former. I think it can be a both and because for our level of personalization, again, we're taking the elite level personalization, the elite level nutrition that our science advisors have already created for the world's best athletes. One of yeah. our science advisors literally was deciding what Steph Curry was eating the day before a game, right? <laughs> and then we're taking that and we're just making it available to everybody else. Yeah. And we don't think that there should be a distinction between what the everyday athlete, the everyday weekend warrior can get and what Steph Curry can get. And I think that gap between what the everyday athlete and what the elite athletes are getting is becoming narrower and narrower with the help mm-hmm. of technology, with the help of companies like Gainful, um, but also with the help of the fact that people just care more about yeah. what they're putting in their bodies. And as they care more, they're going to look for things that are better for them than the generic. Heck yeah. Oh man, I'm so excited. Well, we need to talk after this podcast about ideas, <laughs> ideas running through my we head will. For, we will for collaboration here. Um, yeah. So just on a personal level, what brings you the most joy day to day in this professional pursuit you find yourself in? Two things. Two things. If I can if I can get away with saying two things instead of one. Sure. The yeah. the first is absolutely the people. The people that I work with, getting to work at a place where I know I've had a hand and I play an integral part in making this hopefully what is the most fulfilling career experience of their lives. Me and Johan, we set pretty lofty goals for ourselves. And this is one that I would say that we're a little bit even more religious than those founders on, which is we want Gainful to be a place where people can walk in, have a desk and feel like, man, I really belong here. This is where I can make the biggest impact in the world right now. This is where I feel like I can really hang my hat when it comes to looking back on my career at the end of the day. And being in an early stage startup, there is always that that magic, that je ne sais quoi of being able to impact change. But beyond that, we want this to be a place where you actually feel happy and fulfilled being here as well. So that that gives me a lot of energy. Yeah. I work really tirelessly to try and make Gainful a place where everyone can feel the same way that I feel about the company and the mission. And it's it's never moving target. It's something that we can always, always, always get better at. And for that reason, it's constantly, perpetually motivating. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing that always propels me is physical products. I am non-technical in that I'm not a software engineer. I studied a smidge of computer science in college, but not nearly enough to hold a candle to John. And I am always amazed and so proud of seeing, feeling, holding, and tasting the products that we bring into the world. Uh There's just something so different and special about going through years, literally years of preparation to bring a product to market, seeing it come off the production line, shipping it to a customer and understanding that there are tens of thousands of people across the country who have the same feeling that I have when they get to open a box of our products, try them, taste them, break them open and experience a product for the first time in the same way that I do, which is like Christmas morning every time. Yeah. It's it's a really special feeling. And I think that's, that's something that's going to keep me, if not in CPG, at least in physical products for a very long time. It's cool. Yeah, you get to see something actually manifest, you know. Mm. It's right here. I can taste it. I can t- literally I can taste it. Yeah. <laughs> I can taste exactly. it and touch it. Um man, okay, I'm just, if you can't tell I'm just doing a little deep dive on you right now. Uh what would you say is your unique ability? 
not like what do you have, not you have to prove yourself, but like as self <laughs> like self awareness in, in EOS language. That's where I got that term from. It would be the combination yeah. of what you're best at and you most enjoy. How do you, mm-hmm. as you think about your role as a founder, the kinds of different things you're asked to contribute, what falls in that category of, I think this is what I'm best at and I also most enjoy? I'm going to give you kind of an anti-answer to this. I hope okay. that's okay. Sure. I think my position as somebody who didn't know what they were doing, as somebody who didn't have the first bit of knowledge about sports nutrition, who was 21 years old when they first started the company, had never been at a startup before beyond an internship. I think that somewhat unique lens as a founder has been a huge, huge benefit to me. Because instead of asking, instead of seeing a project or seeing a product or trying to make a hire and saying, we've we've never done this before. This is this is too difficult. There's X, Y, Z reason why this won't work. Every time I come across something like that, I'm eyes wide open. I say, I see no reason why this couldn't work. I have no prior experience to tell me that this is not something that's going to work. Let's go ahead and do that. That's the same thing for personalized nutrition. It's the same thing for making some of the incredible hires that we've been able to make at this company. It's the same thing about being the first personalized pre-workout on the market, right? I, I'm yeah. constantly eyes wide open about the opportunity in front of us. And that's served me really well because it also helps place me in the shoes of our customers. They couldn't care less about all the venture funding that we've raised. They couldn't care less about what our investors think. They couldn't care less about the people that we have on our team. They just want to know that what they're getting on their doorstep at the end of the day is the best product for them. And being somebody who was in their shoes just a couple of short years ago, I can feel that very viscerally. It's something that we strive to strive to put in front of them every single day. Love it. Now, in fairness, you didn't give me an anti-answer. You gave me you gave me a different answer. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. But, what you're talking about, I, I love because I feel that way somewhat in the industry I'm in. I feel like I came in as an outsider. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have the traditional route that other people in this industry do. And so I've actually learned to see that just similar to you as somewhat of an advantage. Like, yeah. hey, guys, I'm seeing this for the first time. I'm wondering why the hell we're doing this and why aren't we doing this, right? Yeah. Um, around abilities, I can already tell you, just to reflect back to you, you even talked about it. You said, I have eyes wide open. Well, so do visionaries. Visionaries, that's a skill set. Visionary, like we've turned them into iconic mythological things. I think about it more as just a skill set. Yeah. You know, it's just a propensity to want to look into the future and to be able to keep our eyes open and see where things are going and where there's opportunities. And yeah. then you also have a, a really great gift of communication. Like just even dialoguing with you here, <laughs> it's clear that you Thanks have you. A, a great ability to communicate and inspire and connect with people. And so I would say those are things uh, I would I would definitely attribute to part of your unique abilities. Next time, next time a podcast host asks me the question, I'll make sure to say that Drew told me that I have a really good speaking capability. You absolutely do, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you, I appreciate yeah. that, man. And again, that's I just think about it as ability. So as founders grow and they keep going through series of delegate to elevate, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm now, not doing this, I'm moving. They have to decide where yeah. they're moving into, right? So which things, like what direction am I moving into? And for that founder to be both happy and effective, they need to be moving more and more into their skill set. Not necessarily like pigeonholed, but it's like, okay, I could give that away as long as I'm still offering my best gift, which is to be the visionary and have the time to dream or to communicate to the company who we are and what we're doing and 
and yeah. it, it kind of provides somewhat of a map. It's never crystal clear, right? But like somewhat of a map of, all right, that's not my unique ability. I'd be happy to hire a CFO or yeah. whatever because I learned how to do it, but that's not really my jam. Somebody else loves the yeah. numbers and they love projecting and forecasting and that kind of thing. Um, so that's where my question was around. Yeah. I was never very good at accounting, so I'm very glad we have an accountant. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> my co-founder is still doing our accounting right now, and there's like a there's a ticking clock, literally, until we hire a CFO. <laughs> He's like, "How many more months? How many more months?" <laughs> yep. Uh, no, I was I was quick to quick to realize that I was not the best person for that job. That's awesome. Uh, well, okay. So my one of my last questions before we get into the lightning round is just around. You said I work tirelessly, like like most people do. I work tirelessly to get this blood, sweat, and tears. Like yeah. this is a freaking battle that, <laughs> and, it, and it's like an endurance battle. Like you don't just yeah. like win the war and then Monday, everything's great. It's like this, you know, this, you know, Elon Musk put it best when he said starting a company is like chewing glass while staring into the future or something like that. <laughs> um, I haven't heard that one. That's oh yeah. I saved it. Cause it was so funny. That's hilarious. Uh, and he said it in his dry voice, you know, like starting a company yeah, is like yeah, very matter of fact. Yeah, just eating glass while staring into the future or, or staring in the unknown or something. I was like, that's so funny. Um, but it begs the question, like, how do you personally? And again, I don't make the ex the assumption you do it poorly or fantastically. But yeah. How do you stay healthy? How do you yeah. work really hard, uh, push and grow while also not have a nervous meltdown or lose sight of your own nutrition or sleep totally. or whatever? What does that look like? for you to kind of maintain that health? It's, it's twofold, right? It's physical and mental on the physical side. It honestly is not super difficult for me to motivate myself to eat relatively well, exercise a ton because it's just what I've been doing my entire life. Yeah. My mom was not a health nut, but she was very, very focused on getting my fruits and veggies. in. she was very, very focused on me getting my three square meals a day. So that was, that was no problem at all. And then, like I mentioned, growing up, choosing to be, extremely outdoorsy, extremely active was not even a choice. There was never a moment where it felt like, oh, this is a lifestyle that I'm choosing. It's all I knew. I was outside every single day. I was BMX biking. I was swimming. I was playing soccer. I was playing tennis. I grew up in Southern California. I was hiking every weekend. There's no lifestyle beside an incredibly active lifestyle that I can picture for myself. It's just, mm. I would feel. But do you still, but do you still make week. Do you still kind of protect that in your calendar that you're allowed to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I cool. I do some form of exercise at least five days a week. Most of the time it's either lifting or soccer. I'm blessed to have a gym in my building in New York, which makes it easy despite the fact that New York is a concrete jungle to, to get active. And then I found a pretty good community here to play soccer and to play tennis as well. And I also ride my bike everywhere. So it's like I... I yes, I guess I protect those blocks in my calendar, but I think everybody at Gameful also realizes and understands that working where we do, there's a part of your day that's probably going to be cut out for for exercise. So cool. that's never been a problem. Um, on the mental side, I've this is a little bit shameful because I feel like probably every founder is doing this nowadays. I don't really do much meditation. I don't really set aside a whole lot of time for myself in that sense to sort of balance my mental health. I don't take very many days off. And I'm not saying this because I'm a masochist. I'm just saying I get a lot of energy for my work. Like mm -hmm. my, my version of a self-care day, I tell my friends like, okay, I'm just going to do like kind of a self-care weekend. 
it's when I actually I end up working most of the weekend. It's, <laughs> you start dreaming it's and strategizing. It's just, it's just like it's it's where I feel like I have a lot of control of my life and I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I know what I need to do, and all it takes is a couple more hours of my day to do it. And I think this work ethic probably comes from my parents. My parents are both super entrepreneurial people. They immigrated here from China. They came over for grad school, not not, not a penny to their name. And wow. They really wanted always their entire lives to start their own businesses, but they never did. They went and got jobs. One, my dad at a biotech company, my mom at an insurance company, literally the biggest companies they could find because that was stability to them. They yeah, sure. Get a paycheck, not a spectacular one, but they could do it for 20 years. And then they'd be able to put me through college and they put me through college, no student loans. And I am the one who gets to reap the benefits of being this crazy entrepreneur and going off and not getting a real job and starting my own company instead. And beautiful for me, that's, that's so motivating because I'm every day, I feel like I'm repaying them a little bit. I've yet to see whether or not I actually get to repay them for those college, college student debt that they paid down for me. But I, it's just, it's just so it feels like something that I will never, ever be able to repay fully. And I think it's kind of where I get my fire in the belly because I know that they almost pretty much pawned their entrepreneurship so that yeah. I could have mine in a weird way, even though they never knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur, right? Beautiful. Yeah, but they did invest in you. I mean, that's that's the heart of a, of a good parent is saying like, yeah, yeah I've, I've got my dreams, but at some point I've also got to start thinking about sacrificing for these kids that I want to set them up as, as, as best as possible. And th the fact that they did that for you and, and that you recognize that is, is really big, you know, and you're already doing it. They don't care about you paying them back. They want to yeah. see you. They want to see you happy. They yeah. want to see you living out your purpose or whatever that is. And yeah. that's about it, man. Like <laughs> that's how I already feel about my three kids. I'm like, oh, you don't owe me crap, man. Like my yeah. only, my only hope for you is that you are happy, healthy and uh, making a difference in the world, you know, in the way that, however you've been made, you know, yeah. uh, if you're doing that, man, I'm pumped and come home and see me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you sound, you sound like, you sound like my parents. That's exactly how they feel. Yeah. Too. They're, they're now very happily enjoying their retirement. And I, I just hope that I've been proud. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you have. All right, buddy, let's get into our five lightning round questions and I'll let you get back oh. to your day. So yeah. starting with question number one, what is one message uh, sorry, if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would it be? As cliche as it sounds, I'd love everyone who works at Gainful to care deeply. Mm. That's caring deeply, not only about the customers for whom we do everything, but also about the team. And for me, you know, growing up playing sports, teams were always my family. And I want everyone to join Gainful to feel that they've made the defining decision of their careers to join Gainful and join this little group of ragtag startup people. And, uh, and that's, that's what it means to care deeply for me. Beautiful. Question number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? Which that's gonna be a tough one because you've been around a lot of ballers. <laughs> and also what is the worst advice that you've either been given or that maybe you just hear passed around in the zeitgeist and you've learned to just kind of ignore? The best advice is I'll call back to earlier in the podcast where I found a company that I thought was going to be a direct competitor of ours. And I talked to my mentor, Ann Weiss, who had seen many more startup failures and many more businesses than me. And I said, should I give up? Like, is this the end of the road? Somebody else has had my idea. And she said, no, who cares? So that was the best advice was just put your head down, work on your product, talk to your customers, 
understand what makes you special and different first and foremost, and the competition will melt away. That was probably the best advice that I've gotten. As far as the worst, I think I am pretty mindful about surrounding myself with people that impress me, people that I trust wholeheartedly and I respect and I hold them in high regard. So I I can't imagine I've gotten very much truly bad advice, but I will say anybody who thinks that they have a hack or a get rich quick idea for a startup, that does not exist. Or maybe there's some arbitrage opportunity that still exists in the world, but at the end of the day, do you want to create a business that is a lasting brand, something that changes people's lives, that is a product that actually serves a need, or do you want to make a quick buck? Because yeah. the former, to me, always sounds much more promising, much more fun to work on. Yeah, it's more realistic. One of our one of our guests, Bert Soren from Sorenex, said everything yeah. everything great is on the other side of something hard. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was like, you're right. Great marriage on the other side of hard work. Gr- yeah. a great physical physical body on the on the other side of hard work. Like, okay. So it made me from that point on like, yeah, that's why I always doubt those get rich quick schemes. You know. Yeah. There's some part of you that's like it's rubbing against what you know to be true in life. Yeah. And, and anyways, so, all right, that's awesome. All right, yeah. question number three. What causes you the most stress or worry currently leading your organization? I wouldn't say this causes me very much stress or worry, but again, Jahan and I, as leaders of Gainful, we hold ourselves to a really high standard when it comes to caring about the people who work here, caring that this is a career move that they feel like they can wholeheartedly stand behind. And hopefully they can look back at the end of their careers and say, yeah, this was this was one of the, if not the most fulfilling thing I've ever done with my career. So people development, making Gainful a place that people actually want to work. It was difficult throughout COVID. Mm. It was hard when you only know people through the screen of, uh, of your computer through a Zoom room. And that was something that definitely kept me up sometimes at night, but yeah. it's something that I feel like we're doing a good job on. And, uh, and I hope that we can do an even better job on the future. Uh, question <laughs> number four, what is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal for this company? Our big, hairy, audacious goal is, if it wasn't obvious already, to do with personalization. We, as a personalized sports nutrition company, want to be the first to launch personalized sports nutrition products in every single vertical. You can see how we did that with personalized protein powder, jumped into personalized hydration, and then went into personalized pre-workout. We launched a line of performance boosts, which are personalized, recommended for you, creatine, collagen, and fiber. And Every single one of these things I just mentioned, protein, hydration, pre-workout, creatine, collagen, fiber, these are all in their own right, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar categories of products. And the overarching umbrella that makes them all better and better for you at Gainful's bringing is personalization. And if we can do this game plan, I can't say it's copy paste because it takes a lot more work than that, but if we can parachute into different verticals across sports nutrition and take over sports nutrition and make it a category that's truly personalized to the individual, then I don't see why we wouldn't be able to break out of sports nutrition and do it for general nutrition as well. I don't ever want to take away your meals. Like I have no intention of taking away whole foods because whole foods are what is good for you. But you can imagine someday a world where everything that you're eating in a day, that's not whole food is personalized and it's gainful because we are for every single one of our customers bar none their very first experience with personalized nutrition not just personalized sports nutrition but personalized nutrition sports nutrition happens to be a really phenomenal beachhead because protein powder hydration it's kind of like the gateway supplement before people start thinking about their nutrition 
holistically and yeah. thinking about personalized nutrition holistically. I love it. If you get some greens in there, send them my way, man. I, I didn't grow up eating enough greens and it's still, <laughs> it's still a struggle for me to work it into my diet. Like I should. So hey, you, when, when we do, and I'm sure we will, uh, we'll be, we'll make sure that you're on the, on the list of free gifts to send out. Heck yeah. I love it. All right. Now's our fun question. So this is a little game of back to the future. If you could hop into a DeLorean, you get to go back to your past, but there's one rule. You can only tell yourself one thing out the driver's side window as you drive by. When are you going back in your past? And what message would you, would you deliver to that younger version of yourself? <laughs> That's a great one. That's a great one. Let me think about that for a sec. If I had to deliver some feedback, some advice to myself from the, from the open door of a DeLorean, I would say believe in yourself now that sounds super super cliche right but yeah. i would wager that if you got a bunch of founders in a room it could probably be labeled imposter syndrome conference right because yes. this is something that i'm sure you've heard from every single one of the founders that you've had on the podcast and this was especially true for me right 21 years old starting gainful fresh out of college no real job experience whatsoever none to speak of and much less any experience with personalized nutrition the crazy not so secret secret is that everyone feels the way that I did, right? You don't have to be a 20 something first time founder in order to feel clueless. Like you're the first person doing what you're doing because totally. in many cases you are the first person doing what you're doing. If you're, if you're onto something special, you might be doing it in a way that's different than anyone else. You might feel like an idiot the whole time. So I, I would say embrace the uncertainty, learn to love the learning curve because I certainly have, and that's made my job just so much more fulfilling. Bam. Well said. And it has been a version of that it has been the most common answer I've noticed so far to that question. Nice. I think you hit the nail on the head. Most people want to go back and just say like, I would, I would have trusted myself sooner, or I would have told myself you can do this. Um, because you're right. And the research shows that it's actually the more successful you become, that the more you actually experience imposter syndrome. We really? all think, we all yeah. think it'd be the opposite. Like once I, once I get more successful, I'll feel more confident. No, the stakes increase. And so yep. you continually feel more and more like, how did I get here? Why does everybody think I know everything? I don't know everything, right? Unless you yeah. do the self-work of, you know, encouraging yourself and growing with that. Uh, but the, the research would show the higher up you are in, in your career, the more people would report struggling with the in, in, imposter syndrome. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, maybe I've, I've got some quite, quite a ways uh, to run then because I don't think I'm, I'm high enough to quite feel like it's getting worse. Definitely no, feels like it's no you're better. a great example. You, you founded your own company at an early age and you are one of the two main people. Like that would be the exact, that would be the definition of higher up. Like, oh, I'm not just an entry level worker. I'm, I'm in this place where everyone's looking to me for the answers. Like that's when you feel it the most. Like what? You're looking to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm flattered. I'm definitely flattered by the people that I work with. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, Eric, this has been so fun talking to you. Not blowing smoke up your ass. Uh, I'm excited to check out your product. And awesome. I would encourage everybody on here to go to, is it Gainful.com? Gainful.com, yep. Gainful.com, hook up with them, get your personal supplementation taken care of. I still can't believe you guys have a registered dietitian that we can call, so call that person. <laughs> take advantage of that offer. And, man, thank you for taking the time to share your story, You know your wisdom. Uh, and your uh, perspective on things. This has been super helpful for me and I know for our audience, so I really appreciate it. Thanks, Drew. This has been a ton of fun. I appreciate it. Awesome. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.